You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Hey mentors, just a reminder about the You Can Mentor book. It's titled You Can Mentor, How to Impact Your Community, Fulfill the Great Commission, and Break Generational Curses. The whole point of this book is to equip and encourage mentors with new tools and ideas on how to make the most of their mentor-mentee relationship. If you're a mentor, hey, go pick it up. And if you're a mentoring organization, pick some up for all of your mentors. If you would like to order mass copies, like more than 20 Send an email to me, Zach at youcanmentor.com, and we will get you guys a special price. But go and pick up that book. It's good. You can mentor. Welcome, You Can Mentor listener. Today's Unsung Heroes episode guest is none other than Coach John Mosley. Coach Mosley is the men's basketball head coach at East Los Angeles College. You know him from the two seasons of Netflix, Last Chance You. He is full-time faculty member of the kinesiology department. Coach Mosley works with the Male Leadership Academy at, e- at, e- at ELAC, a program that supports the vision of underrepresented men of color and supports their success at the community college. Coach Mosley has found success on and off the court, winning at basketball and helping young men reach their potential. He is the perfect guest for this podcast as he has built a career based on investing into the lives of young people. Coach Mosley, let's just start with a question that everybody's dying to hear first. Since you're in yeah. Southern California, what is the last time, when is the last time that you have been on a skateboard? When I was a kid, man. Well, you know, consistently on a skateboard. All right. And I, I, you know, I'll hop on here and there when I'm playing with kids or something like that, but consistently when I was young. So unfortunately, you got a baller here. I wasn't a, a skateboarder, but you know what? It's, it's, it surrounds us and everywhere you go. I'm, I'm just outside, man. I'm coming in, I'm pulling in, and, and we got some kids on the, you know, they running down the tracks and I, they, they took these things off, man. That So you can't scrape the, the concrete and I don't know how they got them off. And so they scraped in the concrete and they got video videotape. So it's, it's there every single day is just as much as ball. I'm, I, I see guys on boards all day long, just like we see them at the park hooping. I see them on the boards all day long here in SoCal. Man, I tell you what, listen, skateboarders are nothing if not resilient. You know what I mean? Like, give You're us an right. obstacle, put little metal pieces on our benches or our handrails. We'll find a way. We're going to get those things off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Look, Coach, it's near and dear to my heart because I was a seventh grade skateboarder and I was enjoying my activity on this church property one day. And the, the story I always tell is that the men from the church were coming out of the building and they were walking over to us and me and my buddies, we started saying, Hey, it's all right. You know, we know we get it. We're leaving. But they said, no, 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 no. We just wanted to let you know that inside the gym, the floor is even smoother. And so you might like to go right in there, man. You get that? Like I thought they were kicking me out, but they were inviting me in. And so that's, that's really where my testimony begins, you know, was, was, was annoying all the basketball players. I mean, honestly, man, I was weaving in and out, you know, on the court while they're trying to play half court over here. And I'm, I'm over here, this little kid riding a skateboard on the gym floor, but, but because these men of margin walked over and they said, no, this isn't one of those things where we're going to put a sign that say, you're not welcome here. This is when we say, we want you to come inside of our building. Well, they chose them 
to plant a seed in your life because, and, and he didn't choose me to do that because to ask a kid to come in on my gym floor, I'd probably go crazy. So you were chosen, God chose them specifically to reach out to you and, and to warm your heart and, you know, so that you can be receptive because that probably wouldn't happen. I'm looking around for guys riding bikes and stuff, but but that's also testimony. And we don't, we, we don't know. And we, we, we kind of have to, you know, just ultimately, it's just, everybody asks me a lot of times, they, they say, what's it like having a camera on you and all that stuff? And I'm like, dude, I've, been, I've had a camera since I was a believer and became saved mm-hmm. in terms of realizing that they're watching our testimony, they're watching our faith and what we do. And I don't want to do anything to offend them because the first thing they say is, well, aren't you a Christian? See, that's why I'm not a Christian. And I don't want to offend the body of Christ. So it's it's, it's really tough. But that's an awesome testimony that that someone's testimony, someone's openness and, and wearing their faith allowed you to it just planted a seed in your life and brought you in for sure man it takes all kinds so coach when did you when did you really truly fall in love with basketball well you know what it, it took a lot of me out of the way once i got out of the way i think you know when you're younger i grew up here in la and so it was showtime it was magic johnson man in the 80s and the, the you know i was that was what it was all about and then all of a sudden there's no offense to it. The NBA designed it this way. It's, then it became a it became a little bit of individuality. You know, they marketed the individual athlete. Then now it's Michael Jordan. I want to be him, and you know, we want to be stars. And so as we go through, there's this th- that that part of it is what I wanted. And it was a lot of disappointment there, you know, because you're looking for that. I'm looking to be magic. I'm looking to be here, and didn't realize who I was as a basketball player and and m- what my potential was and what what my what I was supposed to be in terms of a basketball player. And I was trying to be, you know, Michael Jordan and, and you know, we fought, we find ourselves instead of being what God called us to be or 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 really taking a look, removing ourselves enough so we can see what God is designing us to be, this vessel. What what vessel is he using us for? We're trying to be something else and we constantly are disappointing ourselves. And I was just disappointed after disappointed. Yeah, I can wear a smile on my face. We we know how to do that well, you know. I pretend like I'm okay, but I just couldn't find any fulfillment. And then ultimately, when I, I really realized and, and, you know, got stronger in my faith, I went to a Christian college and the master's college where, you know, Grace to You Ministry, John MacArthur is the, is the president. I don't know if he's the president anymore, but, you know, I, I started to examine myself and, and examine my faith and realize what really matters. What really matters is he's glorified. And then you try to find, you kind of find your place. And as I drifted out of basketball, still a little selfish, you know, so mm-hmm. looking for self-fulfillment. And then ultimately I realized and I saw it from the coaching aspect and I super duper fell in love. I love, I think what about basketball is I was always a competitor. So I always love competition. So that just kept me going, going, going. But in terms of loving basketball, really loving it and understanding the dynamics of it and the details and how it all comes together. It was when I kind of drifted into coaching with my mentor who said, come back, and which I didn't want anything to do with coaching. Come back. I had one class to finish. And so I came back to finish it. He said, just help me out this semester or this year. And then I started coaching and I started seeing it from that side. I never saw it. I never saw the coaching side. I, you never sit in a room with the coach. You only see the, the coach coming at you instead of being on that side where you can see that the coach is a human being and that you can see we're human and we're just trying to put this thing together. And I missed the camaraderie and all that. And, and that's kind of where basketball I fell in love with the game and I can see the nuances. I couldn't see it before because I was trying to see me. Mm-hmm. I was trying to see myself when I was playing. Like, like I was trying to be me, you know, but I saw the nuances of the game after I removed myself from the game. That's, that's kind of interesting. But before I, what kept me going was competition. Sure. Sure. Okay. So this is, this is something interesting. You made, you made mention real quickly that there was maybe a reluctancy toward coaching. What, what was that based in? 
think it was selfishness. It was it was me trying to, you know, I'm in L.A., man. I'm, I was doing movies. You know, I had an apprentice license as a barber. I had I was rapping. It, it, you, that's your life when you're here. You're you're and it's, I don't think it's anything wrong with it, but you can be consumed with it. And everything that surrounds you, I think at that time, I think it's transitioning, you know, LA is transitioning, but at that time it was like, you had to be something spectacular. You had to be, you know, you had to be Magic Johnson if you was in LA Mm. to be successful. You know, you know, my son, he just decided on what school he's going to. And I'm like, yeah, engineering, go, you know, do this, (laughs) do that. Like I had no, you know, clue, you know, all I knew was the bright lights Mm. and, and it was no fault to my parents or anything. It was just, this how kind of we grew up. And so I, it was a little bit of selfishness, I believe. I didn't understand that, that I could find fulfillment in helping others and, mm-hmm. and mentoring others and, and really impacting others. And as we go along, and I'm pretty sure you ask these questions, all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm just drawn to, to pouring into other people. And I think that's what, what God called me to do. And yeah, I think that's what happened when I went to Brazil. Got you. Got you. Well, real quickly, tell me a little bit about this Male Leadership Academy at ELAC, because it sounds interesting. Is this something that you initiated or that you kind of joined later on? And, and what, what goes well, on it's, there? Well, it's, it's transitioning because it's all state funded. So, you know, they got to put d- different labels on it. But ultimately, they were trying to find something. This is a mostly la- Latino campus. And, and then they've done studies with the community colleges, <clears throat> not just in California or, or L.A., but all over the country that the they looked at the performers and the lowest performing student at the community college all over the country is the African-American male. Mm. Next is the Latino male. And then I believe next is the Latina male. And then I think East, well, before the Latina male, I think it's, well, it's Latina male to Latina mm-hmm. female. And then it's East Asian, that group of males. And then, it, it, you know, they have all these different, but we look at the, the, the lowest performing was African-American males. And so there's state funding for that. And so, I didn't have a job at the time. I was just coaching the team and they, you know, had put something together and they said, Hey, why don't you just I almost kind of threw it at me, you know, mm-hmm. and then we put it together and it grew. Mm-hmm. But now as the, the funding comes through to sustain this funding, there's this group called Emoja, which is an acronym for unity and something, you know, so they kind of transitioned to that. But in that male leadership Academy, what we, what we try to do is, as you know, the goal Ultimately, when you're at these colleges, when you get these grants and these money, the, the money to fund programs is to help them move on and transition and graduate and help them through those barriers. And they would always ask me and they, you know, we would always talk about how do we structure things to help them. And I say, well, it starts with it starts with us. You know what I'm saying? Well, it starts with us. It starts with me, those who are trying to help. We're so busy to have all of these resources and say, if you want them, come and get them. Like, look what we have for you. We have this. We have that. No. Well, we have all these programs and it's almost like we do that in our communities as well. Mm-hmm. And we say, well, we have all these and, and, and this is where you're absolutely right for all those who say, well, all of these things are available. I don't understand why this population is suffering or I don't understand why they we have all of these resources. They got all these opportunities. Well, you know what? You're absolutely right. But if you call yourself a mentor, if you call yourself really wanting to help, you have to go with effort, put your shoes on, put some gas in the car, spend some money and go get them. And then pull them into these resources. And that's just what I, I, I feel like I have to do if I'm going to help. Mm-hmm. Now, if someone else may say, I'm just donating a million dollars and that's your help. That's fine. But if you truly want to help and you say, well, how do you help these kids? How do you, how do you help people? How do you mentor? How do you, you have to go, mm-hmm. you have to pursue mm-hmm. them. A lot of times, man, they don't, they don't, they, they don't, they want the help, but they don't know how to ask for it. 
And I get that. I, I, I get that. Well, that's on them. They should they should ask for it. If they want something, they got to go get it. I worked hard, you know, and it's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay, you do you. But if I'm going to truly help somebody, then I'm going to go reach out and I'm going to pull them in because I know the insecurities to asking for help. You know, the insecurities mm-hmm. to to really those hard questions that they don't want to ask. You help them ha- ask those questions and, and you build the trust so that they can start moving on their own. And that's kind of what the Mill Leadership Academy was about. And what we would do is it was we'd provide mentorship. We provide cohorts and courses where we can help guide them through so they can be successful in the classroom. And then we would, you know, do workshops where we teach them how to dress, teach them how to, you know, you know, how to handle relationships and different things like that. And so I tried to make it, you know, a little more authentic. Of course, they tried to you know, you try to inst- you got to institutionalize it when, when it comes to funding. And, you know, at the beginning, though, I was able to make it authentic and fun. Mm. And and so I, I, I drifted away. I'm drifting away a little bit and we moved to the Emoja program. And but but ultimately, that's that's, you know, something that's that's needed all over the place. But it's got to be authentic mentorship man. it can't be just saying I'm a mentor just so that you can get a feather in your cap. You know, amen to that, man. You're right. And I think that what is what is really impactful there, too, is that is that investment begins with taking the initiative. It isn't this kind of yes. build it and they will come kind of, you know, sometimes even the church takes that mentality, right? Oh, we're going to, we're going to, yes. we're going to build this incredible program, this incredible building. And then once we, you know, we, we cut the red ribbon and open the doors, then they'll just show up. Yeah. And it's like, nope, we've got to, we've got to get out into the community. We've got to be an active participant in their story yeah. in order to get yeah. them even to, to respond to the resources that we have. Coach, the, you know, the crux of unsung heroes of this episode is to give a person of influence the chance to shine a spotlight on a mentor. Tour. Who is some, you know, and, and I think even those of us who have watched the two seasons of this great show, we've been so blessed as to hear the story of your father and also some influences that, that have been mentors. But I think that it was interesting just for us to even think about and consider the fact that so many mentor stories do not get told because it's so much kind of behind the scenes work. And, and sometimes maybe it's even some development into our character, into our faith that, that isn't about, you know, the big party or the big celebration, but instead, because mentoring is farming. And it's, and it's happening every day and, you know, it's happening when the cameras are off, but can you just kind of speak into, into anybody that you'd like to share with us who is invested in your, your faith, your character, you know, you're, you're being molded as an adult and what lessons did these people, people teach you that you find yourself teaching and even kind of sharing with your children or, or players today? Well, I just seen, there's just compassion, man. And there's a forgiveness and there's, there's just a compassion for those just as, as Christ was compassionate and, and forgiving and just have this grace. And there's, there's those with this grace that they come with, regardless of your faults and how you look and the people that have been able to speak into my life, because I, I would wear this, this level of, let me, let me check you out, you know, before you try to tell me what to do, or let me really just take a look because I'm not going to let you one up me. So I'm gonna make sure that if you really want to help me, you're not going to belittle me before you help me, you know? And I think that's what we do. Like, Hey, I'm here to help. Let me tell you why I'm here to help you. But when you come as a mentor and for those who have been able to speak into my life, they, they came with this. I get I get where you came. Let me tell you a story about me. I was just like you or I, I know because I'm, I'm the same person. All of a sudden, my eyes I light up. All of a sudden, my ears are open. But when there's a there's someone coming that, that wants to help all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I'm not trying to hear you, man. I don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm John. Mose. Who are you talking to? You know, this is me being a young John Mosley, but when, and because, and that was my front, it was like, no, nah, I don't need your help. Like whatever. But when someone came 
And they say, yeah, man, I get it. I'll never forget. I'm at the Christian college and I first get there and I struggle with, a, you know, I'm coming from LA. And so I got, get there and I'm a basketball player. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm still struggling with, with this battle with, Hey, I, you know, I like to, you know, I like to court women and date women. And I'm like, Hey, I'm still looking for the next girl I can mess with, you know? And so I get there and literally in two weeks, I got in trouble. And I got in trouble and I was sent to like the dean and I had to go through counsel, which was great. You know, this part, you know, it changed my life. That was one piece that I needed help with in terms of my faith. And the the college helped me with that. But it just felt like there were so many self-righteous eyes that was just like, see, I knew he's just, he's just not, you know. And then there was one. And it reminds me of as I look at the skateboard and as I look at even the show the, that just came out with about a year, was it the Jesus Revolution, the Greg Laurie movie? Oh, that was awesome. So, and it just talks about people that we just look down upon. And me, you know, I was on a campus and it was a conservative campus and the majority, you know, it was a majority all white campus. And I'm on this Christian college and it's just like, there's always these eyes for whatever reason, whether it was because I was, I was black, is it because I was too, too LA or is it really like, can he wear headphones and be a Christian? That's what we had to walk, man. I'm like, like you supposed to be, you know, I, I, you know, my swag, everything, my gear, whatever I was wearing is like, can he really be a Christian? He's wearing his goatee. He's not clean shaven. You know, I don't have the booty face. And so it was this one resident director, this one RD. And he was just always out there, like playing his guitar. He's just like straight, you know, he's former, you could tell he's former kind of hippie ish. And he was older. He was like, what's up, John? What's going on? I'm like, what's up? And then he said, how you doing, man? Like one day it's just like, yeah, I just always see him pass by and all. I just, you know, normally I'm just like, whatever, you don't know me, whatever, you know? And then I just felt compelled to kind of slow down. And he just said, how you doing, man? All right. I said, yeah, good. He said, Hey, I heard you got in a little bit of, you know? And I was like, yeah. And then eventually I kind of broke down. I felt, it felt open to talk to him. And then I'm sharing like, man, I just struggled with that. And, and, and I was convicted. I did have some conviction, but I don't need anybody self-righteous to, talk to me about my faith. You know, I, I want somebody who gets it and understands. He said, man, I know exactly how you feel, man. I, and here's what I do. And blah, blah, blah. And so I finally found this just way out looking guy that I just had no intentions of ever talking to, nor did I really want to talk to because he wasn't, even if I wanted to get help, I would want to get, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's almost, it's almost like the, the, the Pharisees or whatever. It's like you, you would actually, if you want help, you would really want to go to the pastor, right? You would really want to go to the priest. But here it is, the, the, the maybe the usher is the one that helps you. And and and, and sometimes the pastor is just too, you know, maybe self righteous. And it's just kind of how it felt. It felt like somebody that was on the sideline serving God is the one who I was able to stop and who was able to help me more than the the, the high leaders and the ones who had all the knowledge. It was him who was able to break down the barrier of me seeing his color and seeing him being a totally different cultured person and loving God and and being able to speak into my life. And he's his culture was so different than mine, but we shared the same. We shared the same. We had the same heart. And I broke down there and then I was able to trust other people. That's one thing about mentorship is you allow those who don't trust to trust other people. I said, man, if I can trust him, there's somebody else out there like him. And I was more receptive because of him. And what's crazy is he probably doesn't know. I mean, that was only just a small moment where I was able to speak freely about the sin in my life or what was going on in my life. And, 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 and I was able to speak freely about it and openly 
and say, man, somebody's sharing and living out the burden. And so I, I talk about that a lot is, you know, mentoring somebody. It's not it's not telling somebody how to deal with their burdens. It's living the burdens out with them. And I think Deshaun Heiler, who was on the first show, we, we you know, we talk about living out the burdens. It's not just saying, oh, man, I'm sorry your mom passed. But then, and then just being with them for a moment and giving them a, you know, a fruitcake. It's like, nah, man, we lived out the burdens and we lived out going through all of, you know, what he was dealing with during that time, not just his mom's death, but handling the financial piece of it and all of that. And, and finding that there was those coming at, at him because, you know, he absorbed his mom's estate and then just really directing them and helping them. And, and there was a level of trust there that can never, we connected for life because we, we was able, and from that point, there was a trust. And now I can, you know, be able to plant seeds and speak. And so I would just say those, those things for those who are mentoring you, you, it's, it's time consuming. It wears you down. Don't jump into the mentor business. If you don't expect to be worn down and, and living out the burdens with with them you know if, if you're saying I'm like, i want to help those on drugs then you got to go to the drug house and you got to be in there and you're risking your life and you and you're you're in danger like if you say you want to do it then that's what i want to help those get off gangs then you got to be able to walk into that space and be comfortable or or be uncomfortable with them until you can you can break through and, and share but walking in there or walking into any one space who you want to mentor with a self-righteous attitude like you got all the answers is the first way to just to just and, and, and i'm great with kids i love kids all of a sudden and, and i and started there i think my dad was great at it he would see kids and he'd make kids just feel so good and it was just like just all of the the cousins and the young ones and i didn't get it until i was older but my dad sitting back there he's in his you know he's in the den he's watching games you know, back in the day, we didn't have the pictures and the chat. Man, you had a box TV and he would put another TV on top of it. He watched one game and he watched the Dodgers on one TV, another on another. And on the ground, he had a small radio listening to something else. And so everyone who came to my house would kind of run to the back and my dad would make you feel great. And he would celebrate you and he would see the good in you. He is, you know, all of a sudden you, my, my, my sisters would get their hair curled or get it done. And they, first thing they do is go through the back and he said, curls for the girls. Look at these girls. They're y'all beautiful. I get a haircut. Look at my man. He looking, you know, just celebrating and then just making them feel good. And then lowering, coming down to that, that level and living out those burdens with, so I think mentorship, man, you got to live out those burdens with whoever it is and you have to stop and listen you got to just stop, man, and stop trying to tell them how to to come out and live through their burdens. You're not going to tell somebody what to do and how to do it. Of course, there's a there's tons of books, man. I mean, there's thousands of books on how to come out of depression or how to come out of poverty or how to there's thousands of books. No, so why 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 do we still have these things that we have to mentor people through? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because there's no personal one on one. Help them live out those burdens, man. Yeah, for sure. So, man, coach, you know, watching Last Chance, you was like, man, it's like mentor gold. I, I just love so many scenes and so many things that are, I, th- I thought that it was really presented in a well, just a, a, a really accurate way. The documentary, it lets the audience hear from your players to get a sense of the struggles that they deal with, of course, on and off the court. And it also kind of gave us the chance to stand alongside you and, and to see the value of their lives and, and hope good things for their futures as well. I think the show is like a perfect resource for adults considering coaching and mentoring. I, w- I was curious, have you gotten feedback over now these few years from viewers that the show has equipped and encouraged them to get into coaching or, or to invest in people? 
Yes, and you know that's the the hum, that's the the humbling part, you know, from from that point. It's so so humbling, and I'm just I, still to this day. I'm like, man, there's thousands of people doing what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and I'm like, why me? You know, you know, and I, I, I said, why? Like, dude, you guys stop, man. I'm not the greatest. Everybody, there's there's tons of people. There's thousands of people doing what I'm doing, and every time somebody says. Coach, you're doing such a great job, man. I wish you were my coach. I said, nah, you probably don't, man. I'm, mm. you know, I'm hard. I'm a hard coach. But there's tons and there's thousands of people. I'm so fortunate that, and so grateful that God gave me the opportunity. And and truly, it was my goal to to, to give a, a picture of how, how we need to to help young people and how there's people here suffering and they need true, authentic help. Not that it's not about me and showing how great of a coach I am. It's showing how we need to love on people and how we need to to help people. And that was the message that I wanted to get across. And, and I was in a panic because I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought all of the, they wanted to show drama and negativity. And I just said, man, Lord, I don't know why you had me do this. My pastor told me to do it, mm. he, which I was blown away when he said, yes, do it. But I initially was like, ah, I'm not doing that. But, but just doing it, I think, yes, the seeds were planted that there is this, there's a way that we can help people and, and serve others, man. And and I just think there's a lot of people that's encouraging. I, that's what I'm blown away about. I thought, I thought seeing it, they were going to say, I, I was going to get criticized for my coaching style and yelling and screaming. And I'm like, man, what am I doing? Why did I do this? And then I, I, I saw how they put it together. And there were some amazing people that edited the show and there were good people that edited the show and they got the real, I think there's always good and bad. But the majority of who I was is the story that they went with, you know. So I wasn't I'm not a perfect person or a perfect coach. But I think as I as I watched how they put these stories together and, and now as you watch documentaries and and you want to tell a story about somebody, there's always pros and cons of someone. But the problem is, is if you if you if you tell one side of the story and you include just a little bit of something, you know, I may have screwed up on something, then they have to tell that whole story. And you just don't have enough time. You don't have enough time to share that content. So they built me up probably more than I should have been built up. But that was the majority of who I was and what I was trying to display. And those are the seeds that I was trying to plant. And so that's what came off. And, and I think God, he was divine and, and had his hands on those editors, man. And they they put it together and it was it was perfect. It wasn't because in some cases I was, I did some things that maybe I shouldn't have. And in some cases I was dogmatic about my faith and I was, cutthroat like no and and if they would have included some of that stuff man i would have been so canceled from this the, the way the world is right now they would have been like oh man this dude is too he's too churchy like you know i was really clear about my faith and what i believe and and, and they kind of trimmed it down to where it just said you know, you know to where it was it was bearable for everybody it was bearable for for those who are not of the faith and i was like man god is is awesome to be able to put it together like that i agree man. Uh, i agree and it yeah. And it just, you know, they'll be blessed for that. And the director and the creators, they they saw the vision of putting it together that mm-hmm. way. And it, it was able to help a lot. And in these last times, these last days, we, we we hear, you know, we know that God is he's going to show up as well. Just as just as hardcore as, you know, that side is he's going to come. He's going to be just as cool and clever to plant seeds as well. He's like, you know, he's always going to win. So absolutely. As much as they throw out, that's what he's going to throw out. 
So coach, one of the, this is, this is dealing with a topic that I think is a real struggle when it comes to mentoring. And because I believe that one of the mentors universal realities is watching their mentees struggle to make wise choices because they are so often surrounded by unhealthy lifestyles that keep them from getting out of habits or negative behaviors. So a mentor can only do so much. And this is something that last chance you does a really good job at showing. It takes more than just success on the court, right? Or a good coach player relationship to, to, you know, quote, turn a life around. So yeah. what advice would you give to a mentor who feels discouraged because they, they're not seeing the improvement in their mentees' lives based on maybe, maybe them being the only positive, you know, in their life. And then every other day of the week, they're just around folks that, that don't really have that, that margin to be able to invest and to be healthy. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd say, and we all know, nothing's 100%. But to continue to plant those seeds, you never know. And we, we see these examples in the word and we see these examples in, in our lives. There were seeds planted in our lives that eventually someone came along and nurtured and, and watered those, those seeds and took care of the soil. And then after they took care of the soil, they took off. And then there was someone who just removed the shade tree and allowed the sun to hit. And so I think as, as, as we mentor, I think we have to, to realize that it's another, it's not a hundred percent because then it becomes about us. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Then it becomes about me. I have to do it. Like, no, you, you can plant and you can water and you can do your part. And when you do done all that you can, like ultimately there's many a times that I've had young men and, and, and I, I had this quote, I think I said it in the, the first show and said, the ones that deserve love the you know the ones that deserve love the ones that need love the most deserve it the least and you love on those guys and you're just like man they're not getting it and then ultimately later on down the line those are the ones the seeds that are planted and you see god uses uses them just like myself oh, i was the cut up artist in class man i was the class clown i was struggling in the class all of that man and there was just a few people that loved on me that steered me in the right direction and he used me on this great platform and that's just the same as it goes to those that we speak and that we we try to help. It's never 100%. And all you can do is just pour, pour, pour. And sometimes they're rebelling at the moment. Moment. Mm -hmm. They're resisting the moment, but they hear everything you say. And that's what's so so funny. Because I can see myself. I do the same thing. As I was sharing before. I'm going to resist all day long. I, to be honest, you know, those who we see potential in and that are smart, they take everything in, regardless of the front that they have on. So there's some kids that I already know. I'm looking at how how manipulative, how they they act out, how they do this. And I'm like, you know what? They're really listening to me. I know they are. They're just putting on this front like they don't want to hear it. And, you know, and so as we continue to mentor, we have to realize that, that all of them are different and, and they got this front. And Because that's how I was. I was the same way. I was like, I don't want anybody to tell me anything. I was, but I was really listening and I was taking it all in. And every now and then you get someone like Rick, who I was telling you about, who kind of gets you to stop and open up and mm -hmm. talk. But for the most part, they're listening to you and they're not being encouraged. They, they're hearing everything that you say, regardless if they going like this, they still hear it and they're taking it in. And if you plant the right seeds with the right message and if you have the right you're still feeding them vegetables. They're still getting it. And yeah, they act like, you know, they're chewing the vegetables and they're frowning and they act like they're going to spit it out. But to be honest, they don't spit those vegetables out. They eventually swallow them, you know, and yeah, you got some good kids who are chewing vegetables and they're smiling like, thank you. This is good for me. But then there's some chewing the vegetables and they're bitter and they're like, oh, I can't stand vegetables, but they're still, while they're chewing them, they're getting nutrients and they're still, mm -hmm. they're still getting something. And so you, you got to realize that, and we see examples in the Bible, man, that, that, that that's the case when we're trying to share our faith. 
that, you know, you could just keep planting and keep planting. And ultimately, you may not be the one that clicks the light bulb on or you actually see the change until later down the line. And I see it so many times, man, in my heart, I, I'll get tears in my eyes when I see a young man get his bachelor's degree when, you know, when I watched him struggle through academically. And I'm just like, man, I don't know if this kid's going to ever get it. But these habits and habits will go on. And when they move on, I'm like surprised. But they saw the habits. And they actually, at that moment, that they just... They just want to have this front on like they're not, you know, listening, but there's something going in. And mm-hmm. sometimes we just got to remember it may not be us. It may just be me. They don't want to show that they're listening to, mm-hmm. but I'm going to keep planting the seeds. And I've, I've experienced it enough to know that just keep planting the seeds and keep putting out the right message. And as they move on, it's it's in there. It's in there. And at some point, it's like scripture says, train up a child in a way that they should go. And when they get old, they, they won't depart from it. So we continue to pour that in and pour that in. And ultimately, that, that's what will come out. And even though they're surrounding themselves, at some point, a, a light bulb may click and they'll say, you know what? I, I at least have an option. Mm-hmm. You at least give them an option. But if you don't tell them and you don't plant the seeds, they don't have an option. They don't even know that when they're away from us, they don't even know how to escape because you never taught them how to. But if you teach them how to, they keep running back. And, you know, the hope is that they'll come out of that because they at least have they, they know at some point. No, I've been taught how to get out of this. You have made some really great points, which I think, again, in answer to that, to that question, Coach, what I hear is that you're saying God is sovereign. So, if He's in control, again, it's not all on me. I'm not, sa- I'm not playing Savior for any- anybody because God is actively at work doing His will and His plan, and I just get to be an instrument of that. But I also hear you say, just as you mentioned to the, the guy who spoke some wisdom into your life when you, when you left California, and that is, you just never know what the impact is, is going to be as the mentor. And... So when we say wisdom or when we invest in a life, and if we're always kind of looking for, well, how is this being received by this person? And and as you say, they put up a front or they put up a wall and you're thinking, oh, I'm not being effective. Well, you know what? You have no idea because it might take years down the road for for that person to come back. I mean, how many times has someone probably come back to you and say, hey, when you did that or when you said that back there, it made this kind of response in my life or this kind of impact. And you probably said, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even remember doing or saying that. So you, you never know what God is going to use. Coach, I think that one of the attributes that I think that you do a good job at, at portraying as we've gotten to watch a glimpse of your story is patience. And I, I, feel like, I feel like patience is interesting because it's an attribute we all want, and yet none of us want to kind of endure what it takes to get there, right? Lord, Lord give me patience. However, Lord, keep the circumstances in my life that, that kind of train up my patience. What, what circumstances have you endured maybe over the years that have shaped your consistency and patience in, in your life? Well, you know what? It's just seeing, as we as you just said, that God is he's sovereign. And as as I'm younger, I can, you know, I'm, I just I don't have patience. I want things to happen. And then he would just completely close the door and I would assume it just won't happen. And then all of a sudden I can see it manifest itself. The thing that maybe I had a desire to have or, or wanted or or, you know, just in a position I am right now, I would have never thought that being here at the community college because in my eyes, I had this picture, I'm going to be a division one coach and I'm going to be here. I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm going to do that. And that's how I'm going to impact the world. But he had other plans for me to be here. And I'm like, I don't know why God chose me to be here. I'm like, Lord, whatever. I guess I'm just going to have to trust you. I am here. I got so, I felt like I had a gift to offer and you stuck me at a community college. Like, and we were, and this is a program that's not one of the top programs in the state. And I thought I had more to offer than this. Like, what's up? Like, how are you doing me like this? And I'm like, well, 
you know, just being content in where God has you, especially those who are called into the faith. Like if, if you don't believe for me, if, if you, you know, I just believe that God is sovereign and I believe he has a plan for me. And that, that keeps me. And as I get older, I get more and more content because I've seen it show up and it probably takes time for you to see it to show up for those who are mentoring and for those who are young. But ultimately for me, just seeing his sovereign plan he's had in my life and, and ultimately just passionately wanting to help others and being competitive as well. It's kept me in a, in a place where I'm, I'm actually content because I see he's, he's had a major impact on others. And even though it's at a, a humble place, it's had an impact on lives that can do some tremendous things, just as those who spoke to me, just as, as Christ. He spoke in those humble places, but the impact he had on the world and in our lives as he spoke in those humble places. So that that's really all I can say about that is that, that God is sovereign and he has a plan. And if we align ourselves with his desires, which is that he's glorified, then it's going to work out. And I'm just saying that, and you know, you got to forgive me because I, I was just like, man, I need forgiveness because I'm, I'm just saying it because it's a habit of saying it. But sometimes I forget that it's real. And I'm just, you know, what do you think? Oh, I'm just going to serve God. And I'm just, I'm a trust God. We just throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. But if you really trust God, then you'll see. And I'm actually like embarrassed and I'm humble that he used all of this. And I'm ashamed that I didn't trust him. I said, oh, I'm going to just trust God and go be the coach at East LA College. Yeah, I didn't really trust him. I was just, I was, cause you know, in my, my own space, I was like, man, why am I here? Like, what is, you know, I like, do, why God got me here, man. I'm looking at these guys elevate in the business as college coaches and their division one here and there. But then I see he strategically placed, he placed me here. And then I've received messages from a high major coaches and coaches that I envy at their movement in their careers. And I was like, man, I, I wish I was them. And now they were reaching back out to me saying, man, I wish I was you, you know, I wish I can have that impact that you're having. I wish I can do that. I'm elevated here, but you really make an impact and you really have that. And, and I, now I'm humble and I'm like, why? I want to like, I want to close the computer, man. I'm just, I'm humble that, that, that he's using me that way. And I'm ashamed that I didn't trust him. And we should all be ashamed. Oh, man. We're not trusting, especially when we called into his kingdom. We should all be ashamed when we don't trust him when we worry. And, and look at me talking, man. I, I still worry sometimes. But yeah. that's grace upon grace, though, right? Grace upon yep. grace. He just continues to show it, man. You know, so Proverbs 20, 29 says, The glory of young men is the, in their strength, and the splendor of old men is their gray head. It's interesting to hear you say that, that the competitive component is still there, even though mm -hmm. you're not a player on the court, right? You still get fired up and you still get to kind of instill that and, and guide that in the hearts of your players. I think that's really interesting, but I think it's also really interesting that relationship that strength and wisdom are kind of need each other, right? We, we need the strength of, of youth in our lives mm -hmm. and, and certainly they need wisdom as well, right? They need, they need to have patience and consistency and, and perspective so often because strength without that can be very dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. It goes hand in hand. They keep me young, man. I bet. And uh, it keeps me open-minded in the sense that how can I change my approach? I won't say change my faith or philosophy, but change my approach mm -hmm. and be open. And I share this with with administrators and everybody wants me to come talk. And I'm just like, you know, I really don't want to come to these little corny meetings and you say, talk to us about how can we impact these young people? I say, first of all, every year, the same student walks through the door it's an irresponsible 17 year old who's going to be rude who's going to act out who's going to 
the self-absorbed, the same student. But guess what? Next year, John Mosley is going to be a little bit more mature. And then next year, I'm going to be more. And then five years from now, I'm going to be more mature. So as we get older, we become more mature. We get it. We become less tolerant of that behavior. And that's what we can't we, we can't lose. And so I, I, I constantly remind myself as well, like it's the same player. You know, once I helped one player get through Joe Hampton and he gets it. Coach Mosley, you're right. Thanks for praying for me. I got it. He goes to university, he plays, he gets his degree. Oh, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to help him. And then guess what? Another one comes in. And for me not to have the same patience and the same tolerant level with this new one that comes in to say, ah, why don't you just get it? He got it. It's like it's the same one. And I think we fall into that. And I think as mentors and as those who are trying to help, we have to stay. I won't necessarily stay, stay young, but just remember that that person that's walking through the door is at ground zero in terms of development. And we got to go back to ground zero. That means we got to get back down on our knees and get up and show them how to get up again. You know, who are we too good to say to go back and we see somebody down on the knees and we're saying, okay, get up, get up, get up. I'm not getting down there no more. I, I've done that before. It's like, no, get back down there, live out the burdens and help them up. And I think that's something that, that I've got to remind myself as well. And we have to remind ourselves as we get more mature, as we get older, we get wiser and, you know, I'm more mature. I got to remember, man, that I have to continue to do that and continue to, you know, not necessarily offend the body of Christ with, you know, you know, I, it's nothing wrong with speaking as they spoke a little bit, you know, or in that whatever the culture is. And, you know, you know, I can I can do that. But because, you know, and it's not like, well, you have to show them you have to, you know, to to be able to relate to them. No, I don't have to. I don't have to do anything bad to relate to them. I could just listen to them. I can be around it. I mean, I'm, these guys curse all day. They talk about girls. They do all this. The guys, you know, they smoke weed. They do all that all day long. I'm not going to be in a condemning mode. Right. I'm just going to smile and be like, okay, starting all over again. Man, you know, it's like Groundhog Day, like that movie, right? Yes. Where you're acquiring those skills constantly, even though it's being played out, you know, each time the same thing because that same kid comes every season, every year. Man, that's, that is yeah. so true. Coach, for our final question, so I need to paint a picture, all right, of my boss, Executive Director Zach, Gar Zach Garza. He's 6'8". 270 pounds. He's a baller. And I like to talk a lot of trash to him. All right. And I bait Zach yeah. often. <laughs> and as of yet, he's refused my taunts to play a game of one-on-one. -on -one. Now, listen, when the day comes and he snaps, what, what advice can you give me as a player to beat Zach? Okay. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 5'11". I, I look more yeah. like Mark Price and Scott Brooks in style and my stature, but listen, I'm, I'm a scrappy player. So what, what yeah. do you think? How am I going to get some points on the board? You have to offend him and say, look, you got to offend them. You got to say, look, your ball skills are awful. If you're that good, stay on the perimeter and beat me. No backing down. If you're the man, then you don't need to back me down and score on me. So you have to offend him. And, and you got to psychologically trick him to stay out on the perimeter. Because it sounds like you have no chance in the paint. You have no chance in the paint. And so if I'm facing a bigger opponent, I have to offend him. He's like, oh, man, where's your ball skill? You're going to stuck down in the block? Is that all you can do? Man, I'm hearing some David and Goliath stuff here, though. You know yes, what I'm saying? Like, yes. how dare you? <laughs> I get that, man. Coach, 
this has been an honor. It's, it's been a joy. I, I love what we've talked about. I, I appreciate that your heart really rang true in this in this series, and I'm, I'm thankful for those filmmakers that they were that they were honest enough as well to do that. Coach, mentoring is farming, and I know you do it on a day by day, month by month, season by season. So I pray good things for your ministry, for your family. I appreciate the voice that you give so many who are also doing the work, as you mentioned, that the guys that aren't and, and the women who who aren't getting celebrated. But again, for for you get to represent them, and I thank you for doing that with with grace and with character. Yes. Also, just last but not least, mentoring yes, is being an example as well. It's not always forward moving, it's being mm-hmm. an example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. For any of our listeners who do not know what we are talking about with Last Chance You, I highly recommend that you go today and begin streaming season one and season two of this great documentary series starring Coach John Mosley, his staff, and his players. It is a fantastic documentary to watch and, again, celebrates mentoring in a really powerful way. If you would like more information on Coach Mosley, he has a website, coachjohnmosley.com. And so go take a look at that. There are ways to support him. I believe that there is even wear. There, There are shirts and sweatshirts and things that you can purchase in order to support him, his ministry in that way. Listener, we thank you for joining us today. And we want to remind you, as always, you can mentor.